Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of Cell Phone Talks, where we talk about social and emotional learning. I am your grateful host, Hunter Carrithers. You can find links to this podcast as well as my other activities on my social media at Hunter is God Hop. I've also just released a new song that you can find on SoundCloud called Self Motivation, which happens to be a key skill involved in one of these social and emotional competencies, self management. Which is what we're going to talk about here today. Um, and to help me talk about it, I brought along a guest of mine and a great friend of mine, Zachary Haber. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about his journey and how it pertains to social and emotional learning. So, without further ado, let's begin the conversation. Okay, so we're here with Zach Haber. Zach, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today to talk a little bit about your health journey and how it pertains um, a little bit to social and emotional learning. Thanks, Hunter. I'm happy to be here. And, uh, and again, thank you for the opportunity to also speak about it. Absolutely. So um, for the audience, can you just kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so I'm 27, almost 28. Wow. I'm getting up there, I know. And um, I have been... I would say on the heavier set side for most of my life, majority of my life, okay. uh, eight, nine years old and up, I've been a bigger, larger kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for me, uh, that was my thought process. My way of life was I was always going to have to adapt my life around the fact that I was larger. Mm-hmm. So um, that included going into grade school and going into high school um, as as someone bigger than most of my peers, um, and then of course going into some of the social challenges that you have when you're someone of my size, about 100, 150 pounds heavier than people around you. Sure. And and then how you analyze your own life and how you how you essentially have to adjust your own life mm-hmm. to fit it around other people's expectations. Sure. Yeah, and I'm sure that does a lot. For um, you know, as we speak about here, emotions uh, mm-hmm. kind of directly plays into as you're as a child, you know, growing up, not knowing how to really understand and manage these emotions that you feel. Right. Um, growing up that way around a bunch of social pressure, mm-hmm. uh, peer pressure. So that's why I brought you on the show. I wanted to kind of touch on these points and and see if we can shed some light um, from a social and emotional learning standpoint. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so then let's get into a little bit about kind of the early adult life, you know, from high school to college, um, you know, this situation, I guess, if you call it, how did it kind of manifest into your early adult life and, and what are the things that you felt, uh, you know, growing up? Yeah, definitely is a situation for sure. It's a situation, um, situational, right? It's very situational. Yeah. And I think it really comes down to, especially in that time of our lives, you'll remember, it's it's really all about fitting in. Mm-hmm. And it's really all about finding your mark and finding what you do best. And um, in my specific situation, at least I felt that emotionally I was crippled. Mm. And due to, it could have been a number of things. It could have been from death of close family members to being maybe in high school a little alienated or, or bullied mm-hmm. and not feeling confident. You know, it's, it's hard when you're the larger person or the bigger person. Mm. And, 
it's the little things that people don't think about, you know, like, am I going to break this chair if I sit in front of people? Sure. Yeah. You know, or am I going to fit through, or am I going to be able to, am I going to be able to do the same challenge or obstacle or, or event or activity? I see. Yeah. Those are the type of things that when you're younger, they really play a toll on you. And then as you get older, you either learn to brush some of those things off or you learn to accept them. Mm. And nowhere in there, though, do you learn to change. Mm. The change, I, I think, comes as a result of, of just being finally fed up. Right. Forced against that wall to, yeah. to react in some way that hasn't been working before. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, not, there's never going to be you know, a, t- a, a great time to make a change in your life. Mm. It's the, you, you have to find and you have to come to that aha moment and it, there's probably a lot of variables that, that play into it. I can speak at least to the variables that played into my aha moment, but mm-hmm. my aha moment didn't come until I was 27 years old. Okay, so let's get into that aha moment. Let's talk about kind of that moment that created the, uh, the necessity for that change. Okay, so we were sort of talking about the, you know, the upbringing of um, yourself mm-hmm. and sort of the manifestations of uh, emotions that came from, you know, your weight issues and whatnot. So um, go ahead and, and begin to tell us kind of that, again, that aha moment uh, that forced you to, to make that change. Yeah, I think you get to a point in your life where you've, you're literally fed up. Hmm. You're fed up with the way that you feel and the way, at least in my situation, how I felt trapped, hmm. imprisoned in my own body, limited to do to only certain activities or to certain things because of my size. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was affecting my personality and it was affecting the way that I treated people and the way that I think people treated me. Hmm. Um, all of these things combined uh, really manifested a desire to change. Okay. Um, and it was how, okay. So I have no, I, at the time I had no knowledge of, of how to eat better, mm-hmm. what workouts to do, how I was going to actually motivate myself. Mm-hmm. I had none of that. All I knew was that I was done being the way that I was. Um, and so finding the, the recipe for success is a, was a whole nother journey in and of itself. Sure. Um, but uh, once you find it and you stick to it and you commit to it, mm-hmm. it's a rest. It was the recipe for success. Right. And I think also kind of that moment in which you decided to make that change, obviously there was a decision made in your own mind that, uh, the pain or the struggle of, you know, getting to that point of where you want to be was far less than whatever what pain I was or feeling struggle. all the time. Right. Correct, yeah. And And it's hard because when you're, First starting, at least anyone who's been in my position or is trying to lose weight or is trying to see a physical change in their body, mm-hmm. the hardest part about the whole thing is actually keeping up with it until you actually see results. Mm, right. Because there are so many people, like myself included, who have tried to diet before and have tried to eat right before and have you know tried to go to the gym before or, or stop eating less junk. Mm-hmm. All those things that we think will make our bodies look a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And... I ended up giving up every single time because I wasn't patient enough mm. and I wasn't managing my expectations well enough, mm. I think. 
Interesting. So the one of the aha moments for me was actually until the first person noticed that I looked different. And that was a trigger for me. I mean, I had other triggers too, other um, what they call NSVs or non-scale victories. Okay. So not the things that you see when you step on the scale, but the things that come with it. So, ah, okay. First time hearing that. I like yeah. that. So in, in the community of people that are rapidly losing weight, it's more of a focus to actually look at outside the scale. The scale can be your best friend. It can also be your enemy. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a, a, a position that's very emotional mm -hmm. and that's very um, new mm -hmm. and scary and, and all these all these emotions that you've never felt before, uh, not leaning towards a scale, at least in my, in my experience, has been one of my triumphs. Okay. But on the converse to that, when uh, I stepped on the scale, I remember I had this moment where I was like, no way. I'm actually doing this. Yeah. This is actually happening. And it was like, I was 15 pounds down maybe. And I was like, I can't remember the last time I ever lost 15 pounds. Right. And those little, those little increments, you know, and setting small goals for myself. Mm -hmm. So I have a, the big picture in my head of this vision of what I want to look like and how I want to feel and the things, the activities that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I've got this 30 by 30 list, the 30 things that I want to do by the time I'm 30, which is coming up. Okay. <laughs> for me, unfortunately. But, <laughs> or fortunately. Yeah, or fortunately, right? Um, but I have this, this bucket list, essentially, of things that I wanted to do that I couldn't do before because my size restricted me. Okay. Um, and the fact that where I'm at now, I can do probably everything on that list. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And those are the things that I was striving for when it came to managing the, the emotions and managing how I was going to, how managing my own expectations. And I think you definitely touched on a great point, you know, within that is that it's really about celebrating those small wins, you know, setting realistic expectations and, you know, making sure that you are celebrating each and every win along the way. It's not about that big picture, big number on the scale at yeah. the end of the day. Okay, so that's that's really great stuff. Thanks, Zach. Um, I kind of want to tune more into the self-management aspect of the conversation now. So can you tell me kind of the the tangible and physical changes that you had to make and, and how you made that happen? Sure. So um, the, one of the biggest things that I, I made a change with was the way that I ate and my relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And... Within that, you, you kind of, it breaks out from there because you find other people that, that have the same struggles as you. Mm -hmm. You build communities around that. You find common interests with people um, and you kind of go on this journey together. Okay. And, so on that, how, yeah. how did that kind of manifest specifically in your situation? Oh, I found my tribe. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I found people that are incredibly supportive of what I'm trying to do. Mm. Um, people who are in my position and not in my position. Mm. People who are much more in shape than me and people that are on the same path to getting in, into the shape that they want for themselves. And being around this, these people, they're infectious. Mm. And you share tips, you share diet tips, you share workout tips, you share lifestyle tips. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a whole it's a whole nother perspective on life, you know, rather than what I was doing before, which was working 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week, um, you know, eating poorly and making bad, eat, you know, eating decisions mm -hmm. and not ever working out or not ever being active or not seeing all the beautiful, you know, world that there is out there. Absolutely. Um, which now you catch me outside more than 
you know, Absolutely. any place, you know, it's, it seems you know, like every time I call you these yeah. days, you're either riding your bike in, in yeah. nature around a lake or, or doing something pertaining to the nature. So that's very awesome. You know, the fact that I never truly enjoyed or appreciated that before is really kind of crazy because it didn't take a lot of, it didn't take a lot of persuasion on, on my own part. Mm. It was just finding the time, like investing in yourself. Mm. And I was doing so many other things. I was worried about building a career for myself and, you know, and I thought that working 90 hours a week was going to do that for me, you know, but really what it did was it dug me into a, a hole of repression and bad eating and poor time management skills, which mm. didn't allow me to do anything else. Sure. You know, and I did that for four years, you know, my almost the very, the, the, the start of my professional career after college sure. was that. And even in college, I was one of those always had to be super involved and over involved in everything and had to go from place to place to place to place and never stopped. Mm -hmm. And I never took the time for myself. Wow. And what I learned in this journey is that this was and is the time for me to be selfish. Yes. Yes. About myself and in a good way. Like I think self being selfish has a negative connotation sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to your own health and your happiness, there's nothing more important. Absolutely. And I'm glad you touched on that because uh, I feel like a lot of people, you know, our age and people who are growing into their adult life, um, they are not often taught the power of the word no, in which that, you know, what I'm trying to say there mm -hmm. is that, you know, there's so many things that we can do. Uh, we can go hang out with friends, we can do this, we can do that. But um, you do have to learn to kind of say no to these things to invest in yourself, like you're talking about. Tons of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it, it, it really, you know, and you get it, you get you know, people give you um, crap for it. Sure. But at the end of the day, I, I have the vision and I had, I had a goal. Uh -huh. And I was not going to let this goal slip like all my other previous goals. Sure. This was going to be the goal that I was going to hit. And I think if, if anyone takes any, anything away from, from this message today, mm -hmm. it's something that I learned not too long ago. Um, and it was that there is no end goal is only continuous improvement in practice. Mm, very and good. when I learned that, when I, when I, when I started using that as an affirmation and using that a, as a practice, what you preach kind of moment, um, the pic, the big picture became so much more clear for me. Ah. I don't ever see myself ever stopping. And it's not to say that I'm, I need to continue to always lose weight. It's that, it's, it's just that when I, okay, when I get to where I feel is the right place to be, then how can I continue to improve myself in other aspects? Okay. Self-improvement is, is the new going out. Oh man. <laughs> very good. Very good. I like that. And we're back. Thank you again, Zach, for coming and uh, speaking with me today, having this conversation on cell phone talks. I appreciate you kind of explaining your story, how it came to be, and, and the process and it all. Um, let's talk about the one of the most exciting parts of it all, uh, the results, the up-to-date yeah. um, explanation of it. So uh, where were you at before and where were you at now, mentally and physically? Yeah. So um, I think mentally before I felt defeated um, lost a little bit. Mm. I was happy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, um, have a personality mm -hmm. and 
I enjoy life and Absolutely. I have great friends. Um, but, but you know, in my mind, I wasn't right. Mm. And because I knew that there were exterior forces that were kind of holding me back. Mm. Um, but it, it's great. So all these changes that I've had now today, I'm, I'm happy. I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. I'm grateful. Mm. I'm gracious. That's important. Um, and uh, looking forward to so many more things in my life. Yes. You know, now that I feel like the chains have come off. Having that excitement. Yeah. For I'm excited new, for life. I'm yeah. passionate for life. The new things that can come to it's be. It's great. Um, I feel like that emotion is so swept under the rug, but it's super important and super fulfilling to it's a lot of It's good to be high on life. Yeah. And, uh, and I know people kind of brush that off and they, they get annoyed by that, that type of personality. But mm. when you've been um, taking for granted life, mm -hmm. you know, for so long. And then you finally, you're opened up to this whole new world of just, just un, unlimited possibilities. And I hate to sound cliche about that, but unlimited possibilities. Um, it is like, <laughs> it's like a kid in a candy store, you there know? You <laughs> um, but <laughs> except now it's a, uh, but a now, new Zach Haber exactly. on a bike in the, in the woods, yeah. riding around a beautiful lake or something. Uh, like I that. love biking. I've taken that up as a huge, uh, you know, outdoor biking and indoor cycling. I, and you just I've did a, um, a bike ride pretty recently. Yeah. A long bike ride, right? We did um, a 20 mile around the city and, um, which is just another day of practice for me because I like doing about 20 to 30, sometimes even 40 miles a weekend. Man, that's awesome. And I, I love being on the bike. I feel free. Mm. Uh, I like the way that my body moves on a bike. There you go. You know, it's great. Feeling good again. It's cool. <laughs> and the results, you know, my bike has been one of my, it's been, you know, so integral to my success. Yeah. You know, I started, I got on the bike when I was at my heaviest at 360 pounds. Mm -hmm. And today I'm at, like, I weighed myself this morning. I was at 280. 280. So it's, two, it's 80 pounds. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's even more than we last spoke, I yeah. think. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Congrats, so, man. Almost to 100. Wow. Is that, is that one of the goals? Was 100 that... is a goal. Awesome. But so much more beyond that. It's, sure. It goes off the scale. It really does. And it, it goes into just, um, again, the things that I want to do in life mm -hmm. and, and you know, decreasing how much I weigh is only going to impact that positively. Sure. So. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. So um, thank you once again uh, for joining me on the show and I appreciate it so much. Uh, Zach, is there any last words you'd like to say? Any uh, maybe people to follow you on kind of your journey to date, social media, whatever it is? Yeah. Um, so on Instagram, uh, I try not to blow everyone's feeds up, but on Instagram, <laughs> you can definitely check out the journey and, and get a peek into my life and what it's like now these days. It's at Zachary Haber. Mm -hmm. H A B as in boy, E R. Okay. Um, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Anyone that wants to join. All right. Well, thank you again, and I uh, wish you the best of luck. Uh, peace and blessings to you, sir. Oh, likewise. I'm very happy likewise. to uh, call you my friend, and um, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It was an honor. So just to wrap up um, this week's episode, episode five, uh, we got a lot of great insight into what self-management really um, looks like on a real life basis, uh, but to bring it 
again, back to social and emotional learning, we can kind of define it as the ability to successfully regulate one's emotions, thoughts, and behaviors in different situations. And some of the skills that you'll find within self-management that you would interact with uh, when practicing it would be impulse control, stress management, self-discipline, self-motivation, goal setting, and organizational skills. Um, there's different ways that you can choose to build that, that um, self-management. There are practices you can do, such as um, one of them being a choosing a situation. So really choosing to be in situations or with people that help you manage yourself in ways that are aligned with your goals. And Zach touched on this when he spoke of the type of people he wanted to bring around him to kind of make sure that his health initiatives and, and working out uh, really stayed put and he was learning from these people on the way. Um, another thing you can do is, you know, if you really can't, for whatever reason, choose the situation, you can always modify the situation. And what I mean by that is, if you can't change or control the thing, that one thing that is holding you back, just modify how you interact with that one thing. Because that you can control. Um, it can literally be as simple as uh, a student sitting at the front of a class instead of sitting in the back with distracting friends. You don't have to stress that you don't have that A-plus yet. You just have to invest in those small, actionable items, maintain that, and celebrate the small wins based on your own realistic expectations. Um, another thing you can do is, just as you can choose and control the way you are interacting with the situation, you can control your attention in the situation. So focus your attention on the things that will reduce temptation. Uh, another simple example is turning off your phone and tracking the teacher that is speaking in the classroom. Okay, here's uh, a good one too. Uh, fake it till you make it. Some things we just don't like to do and we never will, but we can focus less on how homework feels like a chore, for instance, and focus more our attention into how great it feels when our homework is done and we're prepared for class the next day. And I can't stress this enough, and, and though I do not speak for everyone's, uh, everyone's perspective and their journeys, but meditation, uh, being alone and observing the thoughts that come and go, breathing with purpose, uh, praying, however it is you want to look at it, whatever you want to call it, these things will bring clarity to you through your process, uh, whatever process that it is that you're in. So, for this week's quote, I was able to get our guest, Zachary Haber, to share with me one of his favorites, and it goes like this. Perpetual Optimism is a Force Multiplier by Colin Powell. As always, thank you, and please feel free to like, comment, and share this episode. Message me with any questions or thoughts about the podcast, or if you have um, a journey of your own uh, that you'd like to share with me um, and talk about how it pertains to social and emotional learning, uh, definitely reach out. Lastly, when you work to know thyself, you are preparing to know God.